Hello, Jeff. Hello, Soraya. How are you doing today? Doing all right. How about you? I'm doing great. Great. And looking forward to this one. Well, why don't we tell our listeners who's on our episode? Sure. So today we're talking with Eddie Kawa, who is one of the early drummers of Rain Parade. We love getting different perspectives from different people that were involved in the Paisley Underground, and Eddie is no exception since he was around from the early days. Last week on episode 82, when we had our, well, I should say when Jane Doe and Beth Jemmerman did their episode <laughs> on unofficial releases and bootlegs, we did play some, we played some early Rain Parade, and uh, we had mentioned that we'd love to talk to Eddie Kawa. Well, here we are. Today's the day. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah, so today we'll be talking to him and asking him some questions about his time playing on the early releases and playing with Rain Parade. Awesome. Let's get started then. Let's do it. Hi, this is Soraya. And this is Jeff. Our podcast is called Paisley Stage Raspberry and Rhyme. A podcast where the two of us play music that we like and share anecdotes and background about the tunes. We hope you'll join our conversation. And without further ado, agroviar. Let's get groovy. All right. Calling Eddie. Hello. Hello, Mr. Eddie Kawa. This is Jeff and Soraya. How are you doing today? Hi, Soraya and Jeff. Uh, good morning and uh, good afternoon here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so today on Paisley Stage, Raspberry and Rhyme, we are speaking with early Rain Parade drummer Eddie Kawa. Eddie recorded with the band on their debut album, Emergency Third Rail Power Trip, and the follow-up EP, Explosions in the Glass Palace. We're excited to find out more about the early days of Rain Parade. And currently, Eddie is living near Toronto and writing and recording with Alex Radiff and Donkey, which we'll be hearing later in the show. Eddie, welcome to Paisley Stage, Raspberry and Rhyme. And can you please tell us how you got into music and into playing drums? Well, I got into music, it was kind of a fluke. When I went into the uh, uh, ninth grade, uh, I had to pick an option and uh, for school, high school, and uh, uh, my option was shop, typing or something, <laughs> and music. It, it was a extra course you had to pick. Uh-huh. And uh, they gave me music, which was my, I didn't really want that. And then they uh, asked me, uh, you know, you got music, what, you know, what do you like? I go, well, you know, um, I like drums. So they gave me drums and it all started in the ninth grade. Played in the, in the school orchestras and stuff like that. And then in grade 10, I got on the drum kit. And then it all kind of evolved from there. Wow. So Eddie, when we were talking to you earlier uh, last week, we were talking about um, a time when you had a conversation, the first conversation that you had with Matt Piucci. Can you tell us a little bit about that conversation, the first conversation that you had with Matt? Uh, that was when uh, I answered the ad in, uh, I believe it was The Recycler. And um, it was, uh, you know, Ray Prate was looking for a drummer, and I was just finishing up school at that time. I was going to music school in, in Hollywood there at Musicians Institute. And uh, so when I took the call, he said, he asked me, 
basically one question, you know, what did you learn there? And I said, time. And he loved that. Oh, wow. <laughs> he, he loved that answer and, uh, and then just went on from there. You know, that, that was our first conversation, really. Uh, we talked a little bit about what they wanted to do. And, uh, and so I was interested in coming and doing an audition with them. It sounded like you passed the interview process with one answer. <laughs> a one-word one, one answer did the job. I'm a one-word answer guy. <laughs> <laughs> so, Eddie, you joined the band before the debut album was recorded, and at that time the band consisted of Matt Pucci, Stephen and David Roback, Will Glenn, and yourself. And lately, we've been trying to learn a little bit more about the late David Roback, who, for us, he's just a mystery. And we'd like to know, from your perspective, what David was like to work with. Well, you know, David, David was, he was kind of very quiet. He was a private person, you know, uh, you can say mysterious and... uh, you know, I really didn't know a lot of his thoughts. Um, but then after a while, you know, uh, I enjoyed I enjoyed playing in a band with him. Uh, he, uh, he was really, you know, when, when he would ask me, you know, when he would lay down a, a song that he wanted to do, he wouldn't say much because, like, I would do my drumming part and then he would, uh, I would look at him and, you know, he was either smiling or he wasn't smiling or he would say something like, you know, can you, can you maybe try this or try that? And then, you know, as soon as I, you know, would, you know, try different things, I knew when it was good when he was smiling, gave me the thumbs up. And uh, <laughs> um, it was, uh, it was interesting working with David. Very interesting. He was a, he was a good person and, um, uh, I enjoyed working with him, and uh, he uh, he was a very good songwriter, and uh, I was really sorry to hear of his passing, um, and uh, sorry for Stephen and his family uh, to go through that, because uh, if it was a, somebody in your family, just heart-wrenching, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that was a very tough loss. So we appreciate your perspective and learning a little bit more about him. Eddie, we wanted to find out a little bit about the recording session. So we know that a couple of the songs from the debut album, Saturday's Asylum and Kaleidoscope, were recorded at Radio Tokyo Studios.
And from our understanding, the rest were recorded at Contour Studios in Los Angeles. Can you tell us about those recording sessions and how it was for you as the drummer? Um, those recording sessions were were uh, were great. They were. Um, I remember uh, a lot of things I don't remember, but I do remember Saturday Asylum. Uh, that uh, I I really loved. Uh, I really loved the opening of it. I'm glad they, they, they kept it with, you know, with all the, uh, the symbols and, and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, it was a nice groove. Um, I, I know more about the, I remember more about the recording of the uh, second record, but they're, they're pretty much the same um, in terms of preparing. Preparing, we had pre-production going on, and uh, it was really an amazing experience to record with rain parade because uh what happened was was that we would like break it down into four bar parts and make sure each section was was done done right and uh i i like that because uh you know the end product and i actually i heard the whole album the whole 15 songs this morning and some of the parts kind of, you know, took me back and uh, some parts really blew me away. Yeah, that album is so influential. Uh, I will have to tell you, Eddie, I've mentioned it on our show before, your drum part for Kaleidoscope in particular was a huge influence on the drummer of my 80s band. In fact, he kind of copped your drum part for a song that we had and just twisted it up just a little bit to make it his own. But that's how influential your drumming was on us as y- young men trying to start up a band. He, he caught my part. Okay. I'll be waiting for the check. <laughs> <laughs> I know if, if only we made money. <laughs> well, that's really nice to say. I, I appreciate that. I mean, uh, there's so many other drum parts that kind of, uh, you know, with the help of David and Matt and Steve and, and Will, Damn, I miss Will too, you know, and uh, um, there's some parts in 3-4 time. I mean, some parts sound jazzy. There's military stuff going on in there. There's It kind of really took me back today to to hear all those songs and say, man, we we, we did some good stuff back then, you know? Yeah, it's really good, which is why we're still talking about this album so much later than than it was recorded i had one more a follow-up question or a statement rather you mentioned the passing of will glenn and david roback so from that version of the band there's only three of you guys left it's yeah it's just it's difficult to know you know that a couple of these guys from this version of the band are are no longer with us so we're again we're really glad to have your perspective well, thank you very much. My pleasure. I'm, uh, you know, yeah. And, and I'm also uh, one of the last with, with hair as well. <laughs> <laughs> well. I love those guys. They know I'm only joking about it. <laughs> That's hilarious. That is fabulous. Um, so, Eddie, around the... <laughs> Sorry, that just made... That tickled me. Eddie, around the time of the debut album, David Roback leaves the band. And we were really curious 
how his departure felt for you as things were, you know, starting to kind of get going? Well, it, it was a shock for real. Um, I believe it was after the first tour uh, for the emergency third rail. And um, when we got back, I guess it was said to me, you know, I guess a couple of weeks later, I'm not really quite sure of the timelines that uh, we are now a four piece band. And I go, you know, I guess they, I go, you know, what happened is, well, he left the band or something like this. I, I don't really quite know the uh, ins and outs of exactly what went on there, but um, it was a shocker to me. And uh, after that, you know, we, we carried on as, as a four piece and, um, it was kind of sad to see him go, and um, I know that he uh, he had a, a few other projects going on, and um, we you know wished him well, and uh, and that was it. I really don't know exactly what happened, and uh, but it was just said to me that we are now a four-piece band, and uh, we're going to carry on like that. So it's hard to go way back and try and remember all this stuff right. after what forty. 40 years almost exactly yeah it's been a while so as a four-piece band eddie in april and may of 1994 again going way back um you guys recorded the follow-up ep explosions in the glass palace was there any difference in recording that ep versus recording the debut album or was it pretty much the same kind of thing with the ep well see i know i remember more about the this album, The Explosions in the Glass Palace, I remember the, uh, I was actually uh, a, a professional musician for, I guess it was four months where the record company paid my uh, my rent and my food and I didn't have to work. So I was actually a professional musician at that time. <laughs> and we went into the studio, it was like a, mo a Monday to Friday and I believe it was five to nine and we would do pre-production for a month on that record. I don't think we did that on, on Explosions. Uh, I don't remember that, but I don't think we did that on Explosions. I think the second album, it was more, let's get it down precise, you know, and uh, uh -huh. that's when we broke it down bar by bar. Some bars, uh, you know, sometimes a, a four bar section or an eight bar section. And uh, it was much more, I don't know if meticulous is the, is the word, much more precise in, in trying to get it down. Um, not, not to say that emergency third rail wasn't, it was too, but I, I, I really don't have too much, uh, too much memory of, of the recording uh, back in, the, in that day, back then. Sorry. <laughs> no, that's okay. Do you happen to remember any of the songs in particular from Explosions in the Glass Palace and and how it went with laying down your drums and how that felt and what that was like recording? Uh, explo explosions, I, I kind of, um, you, you know, uh, laying down the drums, the way we did all that was, you know, we would start, you know, I would hear what they had to play and then I would do a, you know, come up with the drum part and uh they say that's good maybe we can try this maybe we can try that and you know work around that 
it was, um, you know, I'm thinking more of, of the other record now, come to think of it, is where, you know, there was military drums and then there was uh, three, four time at, you know, for instance, uh, I'm sorry, I'm jumping back and forth. Uh, look at Mary uh, is, you know, I remember Steve's bass line there. Uh, So that was kind of interesting to me. As, uh, as far as uh, explosions in the glass palace, it was it was it was totally different. It was just uh, it was more, I guess, more. There was some songs on there that were more rock and roll than 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 in the psychedelic, you know, like uh, for instance, maybe blue. about uh, your time in Rain Parade at a time when the scene in LA is, is um, we're seeing a lot of these Paisley Underground bands. You know, that's the focus of our podcast is we take a look at these Paisley Underground bands and that music right. scene at that time. And some of the stories that Jeff and I have heard from members of different bands is uh, that were around at that time is about this sense of camaraderie and friendship. And yeah. we wanted to know if you could talk about that. Did you, you know, what was your sense of this Paisley Underground scene and these bands that were around at that time? And, you know, does that resonate with you? Well, absolutely. Because, I mean, there's like, I think it was like four or five bands that, you know, we would go and see. We were all friends. You know, after the show, we, you know, everybody pats each other on the back, you know, good job, this and that. And it was, it was really fantastic. It was like, it was a, it was a club. It definitely mm -hmm. was, you know, we would go see 
all their shows. They would all come see our shows. I remember the music machine. I don't know if it's still there, probably not. But uh, a lot of it happened in that club there. Yeah, when I think of the scene, I think of that club in particular because uh, all the bands played there. You know, there was, uh, I guess, the Bangles, Green on Red, Dream Sync at 3 o'clock, Violent Femmes, all these bands. I remember one time opening up for Violent Femmes and there was a lineup around the corner. And I said to somebody, I go, man, you know, we're getting a pretty good crowd. They go, those guys are probably for the uh, Violent Femmes. We were just starting out or something. (laughs) (laughs) They still got to see you guys, regardless of who they came to see originally. They got to see Rain Parade. Exactly. Yeah, they they had to stay because we were opening up. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So you're talking about playing with other bands and camaraderie. in July 1984, Rain Parade joined members of the Windbreakers and recorded a version of Television's lead-off track from their album Adventure when you guys recorded the song Glory. released on the Windbreakers 1985 album Terminal. Do you remember that experience in going to to Mississippi to record with the guys from Windbreakers? It was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun and uh, <laughs> I, I I remember I remember doing a gig after that recording and we were on a dock and, you know Matt always reminds me of it. Uh, it was so hot it was probably a hundred degrees and we finished playing, and we're all just drenched. And I, I guess I took a backflip off the dock into the water uh, to cool uh, off, and everybody started laughing and everything. And I got back on the dock, and I found out later I was lucky because there's alligators in there. Oh, oh no! <laughs> <laughs> but, wow! But, <laughs> wow! But as far as the, as far as the recording. Uh, it was great recording with those guys, and uh, you know, I I would hear what they're doing. I you know, I would I would play a groove, and they liked it, and then we went with it, and um, it was a fun experience. That was uh, Jackson, Mississippi, I believe. So, did you guys record other songs other than Glory? I think we might have. I, I know that we recorded the whole. I know we recorded the whole set. Wow, that was Rain Parade. But I mean, with those guys, with those other guys. Yeah. I don't know if we recorded any other songs. There might have been one, but uh you know, I, I quite I don't remember. Okay. I don't think so. Eddie, I, I know we're kinda jumping around a little, but 
sure, I am too. <laughs> this is, you know, this is just how a natural conversation goes. We wanted to ask you if you would mind talking about your departure from Rain Parade and what led to that. Well, at the end of the second tour, you know, we left New York and we were coming back towards L.A. And I think we were stopping in uh, uh, Arizona. I think we did a gig in Arizona. And I think that was our la- my last gig with Rain Parade. Well, that's not true. I did a gig with Rain Parade, uh, I believe it was three years ago in Grass Valley, California. But anyways, uh, a reunion gig. But uh, driving back from Arizona towards uh, back to L.A., I was sitting in the front seat with Matt. I said to him, you know, I really enjoyed my time with Rain Parade, and uh, thank you very much. And, uh, you know, but I sort of made up my mind. I want to move to New York. The reason why I did that was because I wanted to play something. I wanted to play other styles of music. You know, when when I went to school, I uh, I played a variety of stuff, like raising from from jazz to funk to uh, reggae to all kinds of stuff. And I wanted to, you know, playing with Rain Freight for two years, I played a lot of eight notes on the on the cymbal, if you know what I'm talking about. And and, and uh, a, a lot of the, the in the time signatures that we played was a lot of eight notes. And I wanted to play. You know, I wanted to explore and play, you know, 16th notes, 32nd. I wanted to play play other stuff, play play something different and, uh, and and expand musically. So I let him know, I let him know on that ride back into Los Angeles that, uh, that this was going to be my last show and that, you know, I plan to be moving to New York. So that's what I did. He, he was, he was cool with that. You know, I was, I was straight up with Matt, you know. It's something uh, I felt deep inside I had to do. And to this day, I'm, I'm, I'm really happy that I did move to New York because it just opened up a whole different, uh, you know, different opportunities and mm-hmm. a mindset on how, how to play, you know, different stuff. That's what I did, you know. I'm glad that you brought that up because I was going to ask you, Eddie, so how it, was it different being in Southern California than now you've being in the Northeast? First of all, I didn't have to have a car. <laughs> I, uh, I, I walked six miles a day. Um, I, I knew a lot of people in New York from my days at school, and then I just started playing in bands. And I remember, I remember playing in, there was one time I played in four bands at one time. Wow. And... And I was playing so much, I, <laughs> I developed hemorrhoids. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> but, uh, uh, you know, it was, uh, it, was, it, it was a great time because uh, I, I was so busy with music. I, there was one week I had seven rehearsals in five days. Wow. And, 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 you know, and being a, 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 young, a young dude, I had the energy to do that. You know, and... Uh, I kept, I just kept going and going, and it was, uh, it was a lot of fun. And uh, I remember one band we played in, played in was the the Daybreakers. That was one of the best bands I played in. And actually, Susanna Hoffs came and saw us play one night at the Fives, I believe it was, and her cousin was in that band. I forget his name now, geez, but uh, 
so I remember after the show, we all sat down at the table, and there she is. I said hello, gave her hugs, you know, and um, you know, it was a, uh, it was uh, New York was a very, very interesting experience, just like LA, but it was two different worlds, two totally different worlds, and uh, I am really happy to have experienced both those world or worlds, and you know, I'm I'm happy I'm happy now to be, you know, chilling up in north of Toronto right now, you know? Well, that leads us to a perfect segue, so thank you for that. We want to ask you about your latest project. Um, lately, you've been recording with Alex Radiff and Donkey. Can you talk to us a little bit about how you um, got hooked up with Alex and started recording together? Well, I, I played for many, many years with a band called the Jack Family. And um, through those guys, I met this guy, Alex. And then, uh, you know, we jammed one time with Alex. And then Alex and I became friends. And then Alex always asked me to come up to his place and, and uh, you know, and play with his band. And I, I said, you know, I was playing with a different band at the time. And I said, nah, that's okay. And then... Somehow, you know, we finally set a date, got together, and started playing. And I go, man, this guy's really good, you know. And uh, so, you know, the first couple of times we just jammed. And it was always improvisation, although we played some of his tracks, just to get a feel of what, you know, he's all about. And uh, But now it's like, we, you know, we, t- we take a different approach. We, You know, we're in a state of, of improvising as a starting point, which means that, you know, I come over there, I sit down, we just say, you know, a couple of words, you know, what kind of groove you want to do, maybe a slow, you know, you want to do a slow 4-4, four, four, little little ballad or something, or, or a swing tune, like, uh, for instance, uh, uh, Donkey Bond. Uh, we just look at each other, and we just play guitar and drums. And we think in terms of form. We think in terms of, you know, eight bars, 16 bars, 32 bars. Okay, you know, this is, maybe this is a good, you know, maybe I, maybe I need to do something different. Maybe maybe this could be a bridge. So we lay down drums and guitar, all improvised, right off the top. And then I basically leave, and uh, Alex is such a genius that he lays down the bass. He lays down more guitars, the keyboards, the vocals, uh, synthesizers, whatever he does. It makes a beautiful song out of it. It's just, it's an amazing, I've never done this before. I mean, I love it because it's done through improvisation is the, as a starting point. And now, now he just sent me another track that he has done without the drums and I'm just preparing some charts for it right now and as soon as I have all the charts charts done I got my drum kit over here and I got an eight channel PA system and I'm going to plug in what he plays and I'm going to try it out a couple of times until I feel comfortable and then I'll get him on the phone I'll say Alex you know what do you think it is and then I'll play you know I'll start it up and I'll play drums to the track and then we'll you know, we'll discuss afterwards and take it from there. It's truly a collaboration, it sounds like. Yes, yes, right off the top. It's a lot of fun because you really got to pay attention. You know, I usually go there right after school at 
and uh, I'm still in school mode. So man, I'm totally engaged, you know, and, and we lay it down and he, you know, he's got a, all the recording equipment there. He's got a studio in the basement there. It's just fantastic. Uh, he's got it set up really good over there. So we're looking forward for this whole virus thing. And so we can get back to playing, you know, now that we brought in a, a bass player into the situation. So we can do some gigs. I don't think we mentioned the fact that you are a high school teacher now, so you've got high school students to deal with. God bless you. Yes. <laughs> you know, people say, you know, do you have kids? I go, yeah, 60. Yeah. <laughs> and, and now I have to teach from home. I'm a, you know, I teach construction and I teach uh, grade nine technology, you know, and uh, for me, it's, it's it's, it's tough because I don't have the machines, you know, to do woodworking projects. So it's, you know, it's kind of turned it more into a, a design course where they have to draw their ideas, right. measurements and stuff like this and send it in. And, and, you know, I send out chapters out of the construction book and stuff. It's, uh, you know, let me tell you, it's weird. And I hear in September school might not be happening, you know, uh, who uh, knows? Soraya kind of knows what, that is like as a, yeah. a professor herself. So Soraya is also in education as well, so she knows what that's like. Oh yeah, that's right. So Eddie, I wanted to talk about a couple of songs that you've sent us from Alex Radoff and Donkey. One of which was Donkey Bond that you mentioned earlier, which I described as a spooky psychedelic spaghetti western tune that would work perfectly in an episode of Scooby Doo. <laughs> Where Scooby Doo is chasing the ghost of Billy the Kid, I could just I could hear.
I really, really like this song a lot. You were mentioning about looking forward to getting some live shows. What do you expect from the future of this band? Well, uh, now that we have uh, a real good bass player, uh, we're going to carry on with the uh, you know rehearsals and try and get it get it happening so that we can put it into a live situation and possibly get a keyboard player or a horn player or something. I you know we got to add something else to it. As soon as, like I say, as soon as this virus gets over with and then we all get together, it's, you know, I'd like to get moving on this and so would Alex. And uh, because we all like to play live, there's always that risk, you know. And I want to ask about Drifting Out to Sea. That's another song that you shared with us from uh, Alex Radif and Donkey. Um, that song also has a real psychedelic feel and can you tell us a little bit about how that song came together? Well, it was the same thing where we, I guess we both felt kind of, you know, not not a, not, not too excited, but maybe down or, or something like that. And, and, you know, I just wanted to play something really simple. And it all starts with really, really simple stuff. So, so I basically said, you know, why don't we do something, you know, a slow 4-4, four, four, straight ahead groove so we just counted it in and did it and uh, he added all that psychedelia to it when i heard the uh, the final version i said i said oh my god man this is like this is psychedelic it really <laughs> is and and that's why i sent it to you guys because i was like wow you know Let's go to let's go play in California, <laughs> you know, <laughs> because it's big over there. I, I don't see it too big, you know, in Toronto, you know. But uh, and, and and I asked them yesterday about what it meant, you know, like like I don't know, I don't know, you know, I don't know, I don't quite know the words, all of them. But uh, you know, it's about a guy who loses everything and he's drifting out to sea, but he feels good. He feels good about about himself, and he, and he told me, you know, it's really weird because he wrote that song, and then two weeks later he saw the movie Castaways, and it kind of is like that, you know, a guy drifting on a on a wooden raft in the sea. <laughs> I'm drifting out to 
this way to land Then I'll arrive at your door But until then I'll bob and float And I'll drift forevermore sliver of land people waving on the shore tried to speak but I lost my voice drowned out by the ocean's roar turned out i like the way i like the way he layered everything i like how he put everything together it was just uh I, I you know i couldn't i couldn't believe how this just came from just two people getting together and the good thing about it was we we both think of form you know a lot of times when you're playing in improvising or playing you can usually feel when the end of an eight bar or 16 bar bar section is coming and therefore, you know, as a drummer, you know, I try and throw in some kind of a lick to bring us into another section, whether it be a chorus or a bridge. That's how we think when we play. And uh, I think he did a masterful job of it. And we definitely want to wish you both the best of luck with that band. We're looking forward to what will come out from it. Yeah, thank you. One more question that I had, and um, it's jumping back a little bit. And you had mentioned uh, a little bit about the the reunion gig that you guys did in Grass Valley with Rain Parade. I think that took place around 2018, somewhere around then. Can you tell us about how that was for you? That was amazing for me because, you know, I haven't seen the guys in a long time. And, and they brought in all these new cats into the band and... Uh, there was a club called the Magic Theater. I believe it was in Nevada City. And somehow, you know, we got them to let Rain Parade come in and do a private, you know, private gig. And uh, I guess there's about 50 people there or something like that. And 
I think people were coming from LA actually. It was it was pretty uh, fantastic. Uh, I think we rehearsed once and then played okay. twice. Uh, wow! Uh, and 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 did that show. Uh, see, I'm kind of confusing that with the last time I was there because the last time I was there, I think we played three times. No, we played twice as well, but we didn't do a gig, and that was uh, that was a lot of fun too. So I was, you know, I kept hearing about uh, possibly doing uh, some recording with them, and uh, but I, I guess under a lot of circumstances, it just didn't happen. So, you know, that's too bad. But uh, it would have been nice to to do another one with those guys, you know? Yeah. Eddie, I've got one more question for you. You know, at, at this time, I know you, you're you managing your students from a distance and um, we're all kind of leading these lives in our own separate spaces i want to know what music you're listening to right now what's really got you got what's got your ear right now jazz any artists in particular uh well one of my favorite artists is marcus miller um Mm -hmm. he produced a miles record um there's uh there's a band when i was in music school there's a band called Sock Bay, S-A-C-B-E. And those guys were probably my biggest influence when I was down there in California going to school because they came and performed at our school in front of all musicians. And they're like a Latin, Latin kind of a jazz thing that they were doing. Just, just amazing players, like the best players I've ever seen. They got three standing ovations at our school, and it's all musicians. And ever since that day, I went and seen every gig they did in L.A. I've seen probably 25 to 50 shows. I don't know, it's been a lot of shows, and we've kept in touch over the years. And uh, there was three brothers, and uh, two of them have passed. And it's really sad. And now Enrique has left. He lives in Minnesota, and I think he's touring with. He tours with big bands. You know, plays all over the world. And uh, so there's Sock Bay, there's jazz. I listen to a lot of funk. I listen to rock and roll. And uh, once in a while, I'll put on some Rain Parade and uh, and dig that. And uh, you know, I'm I'm trying to develop myself more rudim- rudimentally in my playing. And uh-huh. one thing that one thing that really got me today listening to Rain Freight was the military drums on I Look Around. Like like that, that, that was a lot of snare drum work, and I, I think when I went to school in in um, in Hollywood, their music school, we did a lot of rudiments, and that that helped me with that song. I look around, right. And, and one thing I want to mention, you know, I'm a big fan of bass players, and I'm I'm a big big fan of Stevens. And uh, one thing that just knocks me out every time is his ba- his bass line. And the drums on "Look at Mary," that groove, that groove that happens in that song, is 
And I told him that. I said, listen, man, what a groove on that tune. Your bass line just, you know, just just steady and nice, you know. And then it goes into 3-4 time. And I, you know, the one thing that I said, well, yeah, uh, my last time I was there was at Matt's place, the last time I saw him. And I looked at him, I said, you know what? You guys play jazz, and you don't even know it. <laughs> and he looks at me. He looks at me. He says, "Drogic baby." He says, "That's the best thing anyone's ever said about us." And we just gave each other a hug. You know? uh, I absolutely love that story. Yeah. That is fantastic. So I gotta ask, you know, um, Jeff is the musician in in our duo. Jeff is, Jeff plays guitar. I don't play yeah. any instrument, but I love hearing you talk about music and your own musicianship. What's your favorite kit to play on? The one that I use in California, I play Ludwig drums, and uh, uh -huh. the one that I had in California was a psychedelic pearl. It, well, it wasn't called psychedelic, but it looks psychedelic. It's a pearl finish with all kind of uh, lines intertwining. Okay, I did a spinal tap. Uh, it was like, uh, it, it looked like, uh, like a psychedelic kit. And uh -huh. to be honest with you, I don't know if you've ever heard of Jeff Healy. No, I'll be honest. Jeff, Jeff Healy's a blind musician who is very famous in all oh. parts of the world. And he's, a, and he's a blues guy. And he did a he did Wild My Guitar Gently Weeps video, and I get a call from the drum shop saying, Eddie, uh, Jeff Healy wants to rent your drum set for the psychedelic part in Wild My Guitar Gently Weeps. If you if you Google Jeff Healy, Wild My Guitar Gently Weeps on uh, YouTube, there's a, there's a part in the video where, it, you know, there's a part like today and then there's a part like yesterday. And yesterday, okay. that, that's my drum set there. Oh. So, so then other bands would be calling me for my drum kit. And I'm thinking, holy smokes, man, I'm an agent for my drum set. <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> but, now, but now I play, I play stainless steel Ludwig drums. It's just a, a five-piece kit. And... Uh, I have it set up here. I have the other ones, the psychedelic ones, at the school at the time because I wanted to start an after-school band, uh, which is which is a tough thing to do because kids don't like showing up for some reason. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, yeah, are, are you interested in the drums, Sarai? Look, uh, I like to say ever since I was a little girl, always loved percussion and drums nice. but i have zero timing <laughs> so i'm more of a fan and i love to watch uh people who play the drums people who play like like i like a lot of latin music so i like congas and bongo and all that i love nice. watching it and uh, my brain and my hands have not figured out how to join together and make that happen but um, but I like listening to musicians who talk about their art and the things that they use to produce their art. So it's awesome. Well, you know what? Keep practicing, and you know you never know. You might be playing in Jeff's band. 
<laughs> yes. I doubt that. I think I think uh I think I have uh, me and my imaginary band will probably go on go on tour. <laughs> Listen, when when you say about timing, there's one there's one thing that I do all the time. And when I when I come here, if I'm in the city and I drive up here, well I've been up here now for well, 3 months now, but but when when I used to drive up from the school here on the weekends, I would put on a CD, a real laid back CD of a band called Pieces of a Dream, and there are all these songs. They're slow songs. They're nice and easy songs. And 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 all I would do is jam with this whole album, and and that just that helps me with the time because uh-huh. I, instead of using a metronome, you know, they they. Dig, dig all the time. I put on a two, you know, put put this on, and I just play to it. Close my eyes and pretend I'm in the band, and try not to step on anybody, you know. So if if you're ever interested in in learning, and you say your timing's all up, put on something you really like. Pick up something and play along to it, and just try and try and stay on the beat. That's all. It's uh. And it's more fun that way instead of using a metronome. You make it sound so easy. Hey, you make it so easy. And we got drum lessons from Eddie Kawa. So how about that, sorry? I'm sorry that you know now I need now I need uh, to figure it out. Now I need to figure it out. I'm sure you will. I'm sure you will. And, and the one thing to remember is like the beat. I just want to talk about this for one second. It's like when the drummer plays. You could play real simple, but it's how you hit the drums. It's how you get the sound off of the drum. And also, it's where you place the beat. Like, for instance, in a, in a, in a fast, faster, like, jazz piece or something like this, instead of those guys playing on the beat, they're playing a little bit ahead of the beat, like pushing it. Uh-huh. Whereas the blues cats, when they're playing a slower blues tune, they're not playing on the beat either. They're playing just a hair behind, slower behind the beat, kind of pulling it back towards you. You know what I mean? I think I do. <laughs> yeah, that totally makes sense to me. But, you know, just, you know, staying right on, on the beat is the way to go and it'll help your timing and, you know, you know, you're you're very lucky, Sarah. You get to do this podcast and talk to musicians all the time and hear great, wonderful music. Maybe you should pick up some percussion instruments and, and do that. And and before you know it, you'll get hooked and you're going to want to do it. You know, it's just a... And, and, you know, in times like this, music is the one thing that makes me feel normal. Like, I don't even want to put on the TV. You know, I'm afraid. It's just... You know, it's it's those days when I don't even turn on the news. And, you know, I'm here looking after my 92-year-old mother, and uh, she wants to watch the news. So I'll put the news on in her room and stuff like this. And, you know, we usually watch late at night, you know, before the crash and stuff like this. But those days when I don't listen to any news and, and just listen to music, you know, it just makes me feel really happy it makes me feel whole you know we're in the same boat i think saray and i have had similar yes. discussions so 
Yeah, absolutely. All right, Eddie. Well, we're approaching an hour, which is what we asked from you. We have one last question before we let you go. And we've talked about some of the Rain Parade songs that you've played on. Do you have a favorite Rain Parade song to um, to end this show on? Uh, telling us uh, your favorite song that you played on with the band. Jeez, I got several favorite songs. All right, list them. We're ready. Well, like I said, you know, I was thinking about David today, and, you know, uh, I look around. I mean, when I got together with the boys in California, and, and uh, I think we even tried that song, and it's just the military drums, I just love playing that kind of stuff. And um, and even the Carolyn song, you know, uh, it, it, it's... I, I look at that as a jazzy, slow shuffle. Carolyn song. Huh. Um, I, I looked at it that way this morning when I was on my walk. Uh, but, but, but my favorites are, you know, uh, uh, you, you that whole, you know, there's so many on the second album. There's so many. I don't know, a favorite, uh, this can't be today, uh, which I'll never forget. I started out with a bell that I hit at the top of the note, uh, top of the song. It was uh, bells that my brother brought back from Bangkok and we used it on the recording. I thought it was just and I was doing a drum beat with no cymbals. And that's one of my favorites because it, I had to think about what to use the floor tom, the, the, this tom, that tom, just to, to get that beat happening. Uh-huh. And, and, and that took a lot of work. And it's those songs that, that, that take a lot of work. And then when they sound good, they make you feel good. And, and you know, I really like that, that, that one. You are my friend, blue. I mean, all those, you know, uh, broken horse. I mean, I mean, those guys, those guys are killer songwriters. You yes. know, I don't know, who, I don't know who who's the best out of the three of them, <laughs> but they're all good and they're all different in their ways. Right. So you can't really say this guy's better than that guy. Yeah. You can say this guy's a better player than that guy. Or this guy is that, you know, uh, but you can't, you know, I, I can't say one's better than the other. They're, they're all phenomenal writers. We definitely agree with you there. Yeah. 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 I'm just going to say, you have just been this treasure trove of information today. Yes. I really love listening to you talk about music and things you appreciate and things that uh, stand out to you. And we cannot thank you enough for um, coming on the podcast and talking with us and sharing with our listeners. We really appreciate your time. Well, I got to tell you, it was my pleasure. And uh, I just want to send my love out to both of you. And you guys, I've heard, to prepare for this, I've heard three podcasts. I heard uh, Debbie Peterson, uh, Steve Roback, and Matt Pucci. And uh, 
I said, man, these guys are all good talkers. You know, I mean, I mean, like, like, like in, like in, like in Spinal Tap, would be like the university material. You know, and, uh, <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm high school material, but I did go to university before I went to teachers' college. But, uh, but back then, uh, I was high school, and, and they were university guys, and you know, I had to carry around my dictionary. <laughs> Yes. I You're amazing. You You're know. amazing. Thank you so much for your time today. We really appreciate it. Yes, Eddie. Thank you listen, so much. Listen, all the best to you and your families. And thank you again for this. I really enjoyed it. I was still a little nervous, but <laughs> I've never done this sort of thing. But uh, thanks again. All the best. Be safe. All the best to your families. And God bless. Thank you so much, Same Eddie. To Same to you. Be well. Stay safe. Keep playing music. Yes. Thanks. And you start playing, okay? <laughs> okay. Now I have homework. Well, now I know what it feels like on the other side. <laughs> and if you ever have any questions, you know how to get a hold of me. No problem. Now, that is good to know. Be careful. No problem. All right. <laughs> Thanks again, Eddie, and our listeners. Thank you so much. Have a good one. Thank you. Take care, guys. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Uh, well, you know, me and my drum teacher, Eddie Kawa. <laughs> nobody's ever come on here and given me any guitar lessons, Soraya, so this was pretty special. Not yet. Not yet, man. But you've got, you're getting no. drum instructions. Oh, my gosh, man. I mean, I I can drum the steering wheel in my car like, a, <laughs> like I'm Neil Peart, but... Uh, <laughs> It's funny, but one time, one time I sat behind a drum kit and said, okay, and uh, someone tried coaching me through it. It was a hot mess dumpster <laughs> fire on wheels, wow. <laughs> but oh, wow. I, I, I just, I, I really enjoy listening to musicians talk about how they put their art together. Yeah. And Man, he was like giving us these blueprints in terms of, you know, 4-4 four, four time or a different kind of time with symbols, without symbols. I, I like talking to him. He's got stories. Yeah, yeah. I, I, think, I think we need to dig a little deeper. Yeah, yep. I think so, too. I, I'm totally with you. I really liked, um, he was, sounds like he's very thoughtful in his approach to his input in the music that he was a part of. And it was really interesting to hear, hear some of those and how they were, especially in those recording sessions where Rain Parade would sound like almost measure by measure or, you know, verse by verse that they would break it, break these things down. And it does, I never thought of it that way, but they do seem kind of like that kind of band that would do that kind of thing because they have changes in time signatures. You know, some of those songs, you know, that'll be, you know, mid tempo, and then it'll just drop to like a really, right. really slow tempo, which is signature rain parade, and it's just cool to hear from from Eddie's perspective what he remembers about those sessions. And you know what? I now that you're saying that, it just makes or it reiterates for me how unique rain parade is because I keep thinking about Steve Wynn having that bet while on tour, like. I bet you can't play You Are My Friend, start to finish, and um, 
and no, he said it's just because there are all these different changes and adjustments. And I go, and then to hear Eddie kind of talk through some of those early recordings, and you, you know, it's amazing how when they begin to kind of think about the development of the song, all these changes get incorporated and things that we think are happenstance are really thought out and executed really well. Yep, yep. Poof. That's And now cool. I want to go back and listen to This Can't Be Today when we log off because I want to hear those bells. Ding! Doom, doom, yeah, doom, doom, but doom. I can picture I'm it. I'm going to pay attention to those bells now. Yeah, I can picture it in my head. And then a little bit more we learn about David Roback, right? So another perspective on this mystery where we're slowly peeling away little tiny, tiny pages into who this man was. Yeah. I, I mean, I, we keep getting, you know, little, little glimpses inside. Um, and different perspectives. But, yeah, totally. Totally. So, <sighs> Jeff... I'm glad we, we brought uh, Eddie on and uh, um, we'll share um, links to his current project with Alex Radiff and Donkey. Yes. But um, And you can hear things that he's been up to, but I mean, what a cool guy. And I love that story about opening for Violent Films and going, hey, we're, we've got quite a following here. <laughs> Dude, I think they're all here for Violent Films. That was awesome. He's got such a fun uh, sense of humor. I yeah. love that. Me but too. I wish, I wish, Jeff, we would have been at that 50-person show at the Magic Theater, oh, theater in the Bad City. Yes. 50 people. Yeah. And one big, beautiful jam session. Hell yes. Yep. Yep. Uh, coronavirus, go away. I, I, I want a live show. I want to go see Brain Parade. Yes, me too. All right. For now, we'll just have to talk to them. If we must. <laughs> <laughs> but right, so, uh, but yeah i just love hearing that and this was a fun talk today oh, so so good uh jeff i want to end this but let's just say gente agrubiar groove on paisley people
Something's cracking Something's creaking From a branch of a tree Yes, it's Friends. 